I think the race story this weekend for Mercedes was perhaps one of what could have been, especially for Lewis Hamilton getting quite unlucky and George actually really coming back in qualifying. The world of Formula One rocked up in Nevada this weekend as Mercedes looked to bounce straight back from a disappointing Grand Prix in Brazil on the long straights of the Las Vegas Strip. My name's Balfe Baines and welcome to the Silver Arrows podcast. After a tricky weekend, we're here to discuss Toto's mini meltdown, where Lewis went wrong in qualifying and how he and George fared in an exciting race as we tackle all the key talking points from the Las Vegas Grand Prix. And to help us do all of that, we have Adam Williams, who is an F1 journalist. Hello, Adam. How is your body clock after watching the Las Vegas Grand Prix over the weekend? I was about to say a rude word ending in ED, <laughs> but it's better now uh, because I had a no alarm Monday. And yeah, what didn't help me was the fact that I was covering boxing and yeah, getting back to the hotel at one in the morning before waking up at 6am because if I'm not dead, I'm dedicated to this sport of F1 as well. You're living, you're living a hard life, Adam, but you know, someone's got to do it. So it might as well be you. And I'm very pleased to welcome back Cara Bostock. Hello, Cara. Hello, Valve. Well, I'm glad to be back for the glitz and glamour, certainly. And I always love talking about Mercedes. Always, uh, always Don't a good you wish topic, that so. you had one of those jackets that Craig has? So, so we both know Craig Slater at Sky Sports and he's just as eccentric in real life. And when I saw him on the telly this weekend in that jacket, I was like, it took everything in me not to send him a text. All, all of them were given jackets at, uh, during the Bahrain uh, testing. And, and yeah, he, he didn't miss the opportunity. I, I was speaking to someone earlier about this, actually. I said, I wish I had it so that I could wear it down Putney High Street and and see how many looks I get. <laughs> but anyway, that's less about think, Putney yeah, High Street anyway. and more about the strip. And I don't think you could wear it as good as Craig Slater does. But anyway, no, let's no. get on to the Las Vegas Grand Prix. FP1, so the FIA confirmed that the concrete frame around a manhole cover had failed, leading to the cancellation of the session after just eight minutes. But between FP1 and FP2, Cara, Toto Wolf had some choice words to say to one journalist. Yeah, he was effing and blinding. It was a bit drive to survive, really. You know, the famous Christian Horner, Toto Wolf spat. We were seeing some of that anger come out. And sometimes when people are really angry like that, and it felt almost a bit unprovoked out of the blue, he felt he had to personally defend F1's dignity in coming to Las Vegas. Because at that point, let's be frank, it was an absolute mess. Sainz's car was damaged. Ocon's car was damaged. It could have been anyone. And yet Toto was willing to put himself on the line and defend F1 that everything was going to be amazing. You know, you're speaking about a drain cover that's been undone. That's happened before. That's nothing, he said. And he even said, nobody watches in European time. So what does it matter anyway? I was like, uh, I think there's quite a few of us watching in European time, Toto. But Were you watching? Yeah, I was. And actually, one thing that was good about us fans in European time, that because FP2 got pushed back so much, it was actually like a reasonable sort of mid-morning. I was like, oh, this is lovely. But back to Toto. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure, Adam. What did you make of that? Why did you think he was so riled up? 
Um, well, yeah, it, it was it was embarrassing for F1, and the reality is that Toto Wolff has become worth a billionaire due to F1's um, popularity and therefore uh, value increasing so much. He's a shareholder in the Mercedes F1 team. He's got a third of the shares. So if it goes bad in Vegas, then he's going to be financially um, impacted by it. That's maybe the cynical way of looking at it. But I also think that there was some truth in it because while it was a really embarrassing start uh, to to a huge weekend for F1 ahead of 10 years of Vegas, at least. Um, I think the fact that so many people were talking down the event and, and hoping almost that it would fail and saying, no, it's embarrassing, it's, it's a mess. You, you want you want to have a good sporting event, even if, even if you don't necessarily want Vegas to be on the calendar and you're not a fan of the Americanization of sport, you want to have a good event. And let's, let's remember that Vegas replaced uh, the French Grand Prix. And as we know, that's not particularly exciting. And we will discuss how exciting the Las Vegas Grand Prix was. And I suspect that most people listening to this will agree it was a bit better than what is effectively a car park of a Grand Prix track? Uh, what's it called? I've forgotten the track. It's not Manicor, it's the new one. I've Castellet. Yeah, so what, which is basically a car park track of a Grand Prix circuit in the Castellet. We used to go around the Grand, uh, around the, the car park in Vegas, but now we go down the strip and it was amazing. So the comments coming from maybe a driver that I won't mention, saying, oh, it's terrible, it's all it's all for show and it's not a sport. That was equally embarrassing. So I'm glad that we had a good time. I feel like I've gone around my Toto, but I've sworn less. And I kind of understand it from, from both his financial side, but also the side of the sport. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
And the event is meant to have cost half a billion dollars. So that's a lot of money to invest into one weekend for the sport. Cara mentioned science's penalty and science's car, Adam. And I thought that the penalty that he received was very, very harsh. Yeah, it's it doesn't make sense from a sporting perspective. But as uh, Martin Brundle said on, on multiple occasions, unfortunately, there's not a clause in, in the regulations which allows for common sense. And that's what F1 needed, really. Uh, it's maybe a rule that they can add in. Um, but quite understandably, Carlos Sainz was royally annoyed uh, for the rest of the weekend, especially as the Ferrari looked great um, around the track. And in fact, I called it in P2 after just seeing one lap that Ferrari would be on pole position. I won't give it away because we'll discuss it in a minute, but oh, I know what I'm talking about sometimes. Uh, not all the time. Um, but it was good for Mercedes fans because Mercedes and Ferrari are, of course, in a battle for position two in the championship. So to have Carlos Sainz pegged back to the back after having to use up more engine parts than he was allowed, that was probably good for the silver arrows, wasn't it, Cara? Yeah, I think Carlos getting the penalty summed up the start of the weekend and really cemented the low almost because it's bad enough seeing people out on the track trying to, you know, crack open these manhole covers. But then there's this aspect of it being completely unfair on one of the teams. And that's when these questions about like the sporting aspect of the event really get thrown up. But I suppose it is interesting here how diehard of a Mercedes fan you are. Are you even in that situation thinking, you know what, there's only four points between us in the Constructors' Championship Maybe this is, I can be a little bit happy about this. This is a good thing, even though you don't want it to happen to anyone. But if it were, you'd think, okay, Ferrari. Yeah, it definitely was unfair and definitely unfortunate. But moving on to FP2, just because of what happened in FP1, there was a two and a half hour delay and the and the session started at 2.30 a.m. local time. And Adam, I don't think that was fair for the fans because they were asked to leave. Yeah, that was probably the worst part of the weekend, in my opinion, that the fact that fans in the stands who'd paid good money and potentially had only been for that Friday and only got eight minutes of action, they, they were forced to leave the grandstand simply because the local roads opened at 4am and the session started 90 minutes before. And I, I think that there weren't enough people in security to take care of the fans or something like that. Uh, I think, was it a $200 voucher they were given or something like that to say sorry, the fans? Um, yeah, they were for shops, yeah, for shop. Yeah, which is which is nice, but um, it, it was it was a concern because it was fairly rookie, the fact that the, the, the water cover hadn't been welded down properly and then the fans weren't al allowed to, to see the event. You, you really did get concerned about F1 embarrassing itself at uh, Indianapolis 2005. And for those that, that don't remember that, that was when F1 rocked up and one of the two tyre suppliers, because this was when teams could choose between two, uh, brought tyres to the event that were just blowing up and they couldn't guarantee that it would be safe. And as a result, there was only a race with six 
cars and that was an embarrassment for F1 in the USA and probably brought it backwards and you worried that it would be the case here um, but fortunately uh, the, the fans had some great racing later on in the weekend and hopefully this blip was behind us but yeah F, FP2 was exciting even if um, the fans couldn't watch it in the stands. Yeah, we had Lewis 9th and George 12th in FP2. So as a Mercedes fan, you're thinking, oh, okay, they have been talking it down a little bit this weekend, the the way the car is going to fit this track. They're comparing it a lot to Monza. Mercedes not great in those low-speed corners. And obviously, it was very cold. We're seeing all the pundits out there in their hats, and we're thinking, oh, I saw Gunther Steiner in his little hat, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe it is quite cold in Vegas. Um, but that's not been great for the Mercedes car. So perhaps as a fan at that point, you're not feeling too optimistic. But we are going to get to some good stuff in terms of excitement. I think the race story this weekend for Mercedes was perhaps one of what could have been, especially for Lewis Hamilton getting quite unlucky. And George actually really coming back in qualifying, which I'm sure you'll move us on to swiftly, Balve. Just before we do that, can we give a shout out to how close FP2 was and, and how excited it was? Because this is a, a new cold track um, and it didn't really rubber in that much. It, it was just slowly improving bit by bit. And there was a moment where there were six cars at the top separated by 85 hundredths of a second. And it was Alonso, Leclerc, Hamilton, Albon, Perez, Sainz. So that's five teams in, in the top six. And you knew it was going to be one of those qualifyings where you're going to have some big names coming out. Yeah, you're definitely going to have some uh, big names coming out. Yeah. So apart before we go on to quali, let's talk about FP3 and Cara. George Russell dominated despite a red flag by Alex Albon in his Williams. Yeah, they were showing a lot of the qualifying heads to heads this weekend as we're getting close to the end of the season. And at the start of this race, it was nine to George and 11 to Hamilton. So two races left, George could, you know, go all the way and match him. So I'd wonder if that was at the back of his mind, because when you look at the points, it is Hamilton who has been delivering as the seven time world champion. But then towards the start of the season, George really had the edge on qualifying. So obviously to go from all the drama at the beginning them not doing much in fp2 and you're thinking oh maybe they could get something out of it but i think we were caught again there with how close it was and perhaps george was just able to find a little something more at this track for some reason yeah he definitely did car us Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So let's move on to Quali. Adam, we have a question from Twitter. So why do you think Lewis qualifying performance has been poor relative to his race performances over the season and do you think there's something that he and the team need to do differently to improve the situation yeah it's interesting because on the face of it it's hardly been that poor because he's 11 or he was 11 9 up and now he's 11 10 up on george russell who goes down in history as mr saturday he's good in qualifying we know this and he outperformed Lewis in qualifying and, and the races last year. Um, but you're right. Lewis has struggled, uh, especially in quite a lot of the sprint weekends. Um, and perhaps he struggled from the, the lack of running. I don't know. He, he, the thing is, he's a really good driver, as we know, which is probably an understatement. Um, and I think it just goes down to him not not having the, the the tires in the right the right place um it was a cold track because it's a desert and it was at night so yeah uh they they were having to do prep laps and if you're not there in the right place at the right time the track was constantly getting better and um and yeah he he, he just wasn't there to to get into Q3 um which has happened at a few races. So I don't actually have the answer. I I sometimes think that Mercedes, because they've had so many years of being the top dog, uh, they've almost made their strategy conservative. And sometimes that appears the case there. They're not aggressive enough and, and, and therefore not on it enough at, at times. And you, you you maybe see that with strategy and being on the back foot and reactive rather than proactive, like we saw Red Bull doing when they were challenging Mercedes. Uh, but we also see Red Bull being quite proactive and aggressive with their strategy now. Um, and they can be aggressive because they're at the front and they, they have room to lose or, or room to make these mistakes and still win. And, and that's what Mercedes had too. So, yeah. I think maybe that has something to do with it, but I don't know for sure. And it'll be interesting to see whether when Mercedes and if Mercedes have a better car next season, uh, Lewis is able to sort out those qualifying, not disasters, but inconveniences, because that could be the difference between him getting his eighth championship and not. In answer to that question, I think Lewis doesn't lack belief in himself. I think he lacks belief in the car and we've seen it throughout the season, sort of him making comments about things not working. And as a driver in qualifying, it's so crucial that you trust and you understand every single aspect of the car to eke out those milliseconds. And I think George as well, I, I think this mental aspect is so, so important. He sees himself as Mr. Saturday. And once he's got one or two qualifyings above Lewis and we should come back to he's Lewis is still outperforming him on qualifying. It is close. As we said, they could go level next at the final race in Abu Dhabi. But since 2022, Lewis has just 
not liked this car. He was so happy to get rid of the version last year. And I think he'll probably be happy this year as well. So I think when we see this seven-time world champion in a car he really trusts and believes in again, that's when we'll see him smashing out the qualifyings week in, week out. And he's reported to saying a few weeks ago, Lewis was saying that between the season ending and the season next year starting, it has to be the greatest development a car has ever seen. So I'm excited to see what they do, not only in Abu Dhabi, but also in Bahrain in March 2024. But talking about the Las Vegas race now, Cara, there were very poor pit stops for the Mercedes teams. Yeah. And actually, last time I was on the podcast, this was a topic that came up. And initially, I just sort of brushed it off like, you know, it's not that big a deal, but every single second counts in F1. So why are they not sorting it out? We obviously saw McLaren with their world record pit stop a few weeks ago, 1.8 seconds, and they're riding that high. Um, So Mercedes, you see them as this team of perfection with Toto Wolf at their head, this, you know, Austrian figure of perfection. You think that was something they'd be absolutely drilling. So I really think over the winter break, they'll naturally be regrouping and they'll be finding every single way they can improve and pit stops naturally have to be one of those. There there have been moments over the season uh, where having slower stops have cost Mercedes the chance to go for the win. I'm thinking back to Austin uh, when Lewis was fighting Verstappen for that victory there. So yeah, there, there has been performance left on the table and you do wonder whether... Is the little things like that uh, that have added up uh, to to mean that Ferrari can catch up and, and potentially overtake Mercedes for P2 in the championship? I think, Cara, my favourite phrase that I'm going to steal from you is Austrian vision of perfection. So thank you for that. I'm definitely going to, going to, <laughs> going to steal that. But Adam, <laughs> Verstappen had a collision with George. I thought when I first saw it, that was a racing incident, but the stewards thought differently. Yeah, I, I think that I feel sorry for George, but I can see why they gave it because he did go quite wide in the corner just before that happened and kind of invited for stepping up the inside. It was it was a difficult one really because George was so far ahead that he had to, like he couldn't just back out and let Verstappen through. He had to go for the corner, but it was a corner which requires drivers to go single file through. Uh, but on the other side, Verstappen had already stuck his nose at the inside and and done the classic thing of leaving it up to the other driver as to whether they're going to have an accident or yield. And, and George Russell doesn't often yield, as we've seen when those two have come together in Baku earlier this year, for example. And um, yeah, Verstappen was lucky that um, his front wing stayed somewhat intact because that that could have changed the the the, the race winner uh further up uh, it, it could have been Leclerc overtaking Perez on the final lap what a way to end that might have been so George needed to do a better job really just for the spectacle there but um yeah i i probably agree with you that um it was a racing incident uh but but what can you do? It was it was a shame because it took a load of points off Mercedes that they really couldn't afford to to lose. Meaning that there there are four points between the teams, as Cara mentioned earlier. 
Yeah, I was thinking, yes, finally, Verstappen has some damage. He's been involved in an incident. And then you were like, oh, no, he's got away unscathed because he's always so far out the front or he's so lucky. But, you know, I'm sure it's not luck. It's skill. He never seems to be a driver that, you know, gets unlucky with cars spinning in front of him or getting caught up in this damage. And I thought, Las Vegas is giving us everything. And this is, you know, going to deter Max from being able to win this race. You know, it wasn't, and it actually, I think it kind of fell into the stereotype of George Russell a little bit, where he's that little bit too aggressive and he makes these silly mistakes and he needs perhaps that tiny bit more maturity, which is what we see from Lewis Hamilton. And yeah, because it was it was the tale of two races here. George starting third after Sainz's penalty, falling way down, Lewis starting 10th, and then finishing seventh, and it could have been much, much higher if he he didn't have that puncture. It's a great point there, really. That you 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 Verstappen is lucky sometimes, uh, but you make your own luck in in anything, especially F one. Verstappen is always in the right place at the right time because he's driving so well. Lewis, he was unlucky uh, this weekend because he qualified badly. Um, and and as a result, he left himself susceptible to science tugging the back of him at the first corner and him having to fight his way through. And he was really unlucky with Oscar Piastri uh, and getting a puncher. Um, and then again, uh, having the safety car come out at the wrong time. Uh, but well, actually, the safety car came out at the right time because it bunched him back up with a pack. But, but you know... Uh, <laughs> The fact that he qualified badly meant that his luck was poor. I also think that, uh, while you say it was kind of stereotypical, George, uh, Verstappen's first corner was stereotypical him. We've definitely definitely seen that that move of taking himself and the, the driver on the outside off a few times, a few 2021 flashbacks for us all, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about luck and being unlucky. Do you think Adam having the hard tires was part of that luck? Well, the hard tires was an example of Mercedes doing a good strategy call um, and and kind of taking a punt. Well, everyone ahead of him was on medium tires. Hamilton was on the hard tires. And maybe I should eat my words from a few moments ago where I said Mercedes weren't being aggressive enough because that was an example of what they could do. Um, And it turned out that the hard tyres were the best race tyres. And the thing is, because no one had raced in Las Vegas on that track before, no one really knew. And, And yeah, Mercedes did really well there. It allowed Lewis to make overtakes, get into... Um, into the race a long time while others had to pit because their mediums were degrading. Now, it's a weird one because it felt like there wasn't that much degradation unless you looked after your tyres. Because of the the cold surface, if you're really going for it initially, you're sliding a load and and just, yeah, ruining your your, your rubber, um, as Pierre Gassi and others found. But we know that Lewis is quite good at, at easing those tyres in and, and then finding the pace. And whew, some of the moves, some of the moves, I, I was saying before the podcast, they were getting out, getting me out of my, well, not out of my seat. They were getting me up in my bed. Actually, that sounds wrong, but they were... No, they weren't getting me excited in bed either. Um, but I, I, 
I was pleased to see <laughs> some of the, the cracking moves that Lewis was pulling off, despite the weariness that I had from from the boxing the night before and getting up at, well, it felt the middle of the night, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. <laughs> oh no, that could, be, that could be turned into anything on the internet. But you can have it, internet. Run with it. <laughs> Our context. <laughs> <laughs> I just just sitting back and letting Adam dig that hole. But I agree that we did see Lewis Hamilton at his best in terms of the overtakes. And Adam did make an interesting point before that he created his bad luck in terms of being lower down the pack and being susceptible to a lot of that traffic and that was the reason he ended up the collision with Piastri and getting the puncture. But it, it was only because he was lower down the pack that we got to see some of those skills on offer and the overtakes. Cause there was talk before that this track wasn't really, we weren't going to see many overtakes. And I think Ooh. even Lewis said that himself, but we were so wrong and it was so exciting. How lucky we were. No, uh, two, two special shout outs because Lewis made a, 10 places in the last 21 laps, I think, uh, around. You you can check the exact maths, uh, even though it's probably my job to know this. But I want to shout out him going around the outside of Yuki Sonoda. That was a cool one. And then up the inside, no fear, through that really high-speed final corner that Martin Brundle compared to cops. Now, I know that there are some people in F1 that says, no one ever sticks a tyre up the inside in cops. Uh, no one ever overtakes in those sorts of corners. There you go. They do. They do if you're Lewis Hamilton. There we go. Sorry, Christian. <laughs> it definitely does if you're Sir Sorry. Lewis Hamilton. We've got one more race of the 2023 season left, Cara. Do you think Ferrari can get ahead of Mercedes in, in the standings? I. <laughs> you want to be positive on this podcast? You said it. <laughs> the problem is Ferrari have really got themselves together in the last few weeks. But wow. as a fan, we love it all coming down to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, it doesn't have perhaps a good history for Mercedes there. But I think we're going to have a real fight on our hands. I don't want to say too much more. It is the thing that all F1's, F1 fans dream of, isn't it, Cara? A classic battle for P2 in the team's championship. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that, I mean, people are saying the season's not been thrilling. What, what it has. Every, every single race has. And, and can I say that the Las Vegas Grand Prix best race of the season oh that's bold over Singapore I'm going there. Wow. Singapore was wow great finale but I'm not sure it was as good as Las Vegas Austin was great as well and there were there were other really good races but I'm going to put it on the line and say Las Vegas was the best race however that's not the question that was asked the question is can Mercedes hold on or can Ferrari snatch it Ferrari are on a roll at the moment as Cara said they've got there together and that's unusual for us to say that about Ferrari but it's true I I think that if if Mercedes 
can have a sensible race, then I think they should be okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ferrari overtake them in the standings because it is only four points and it only requires one driver out and uh, and having an issue and then the other two finishing where they should be in the points. If anything, Mercedes are hoping that their customer team in McLaren comes back because Lando Norris being high up the standings, which I wouldn't be surprised about in Abu Dhabi. Uh, good news is he's okay after that that pretty hefty crash. That's taking points off uh, Ferrari potentially. So yeah, they'll be hoping that, that Norris can get in there and potentially Alonso uh, and, and and Lance Stroll, but you know. Uh, yeah, but the question is, has Lewis outperformed the Mercedes or has George underperformed? Because George is eighth in the standings. Lewis is third. So you can't really point the finger at Lewis, but George has been quite unlucky at times. But it goes back to what we've been saying. Has George created his own luck, Cara? I think that's the thing that we see with these more mature experienced drivers that you have to have that fight and that hunger in f1 but you also have to know when to sit back a little bit and when to save your tires or when to not take that risk because it's a long game it's a long season and to get to third as we've said and i think lewis has outperformed this car i will say that eighth and third does sound far apart but those drivers in that between eighth and third are very close on points and it does seem to be switching there. But George is not going to walk away happy about that. He knows he's coming up against a seven-time world champion, but he should at least be one or two places behind him, not five. Yeah, and, and it leaves it in a fascinating dynamic ahead of what will hopefully be um, a good car. Mercedes are that good that they can sit in there and have the best car produced over that winter. It's going to be difficult, but they are one of the best or some of the best in the world and they can do it. And, and they're going to need uh, a week to get that car pointing in the right direction. But what you're saying is Mercedes perhaps needs to listen to yeah, their critics. Absolutely that. He'll have got rid of the 2022 car completely. And I think that's a perfect way to end this podcast. Cara, thank you. Adam, thank you as always. And that's all we have time for this week. A massive thank you to Adam and Cara for joining us. Their social media handles are in the show notes. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MercF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody who you think may enjoy it. We'll see you soon.